Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hi, everybody. I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine, but... I had two deliveroos yesterday. <laughs> what is that a sign of? <laughs> I always think a two siesta day is a sign of a very good day, but a two deliveroo day is a sign of a very bad day. <laughs> Major decline. Oh, God. I know. I, I just had a chicken wrap for lunch and I had a burger for dinner. I just couldn't get myself, you know, I couldn't get my head around cooking or shopping or anything. And I feel really polluted by it. But I've slipped a disc and I'm in quite a lot of pain. And the specialist obviously can't see me for 10 years. So I call my GP and I said, listen, I'm in a lot of pain and the specialist can't see me for all this time. What do I do? And they, I was very surprised, prescribed me an absolute cocktail <laughs> of diclofenac, cocodamol, diazepam. I mean, you name it. And so I was thrilled. I even slightly think of myself as Keith Richards. I was going to say Kurt Cobain, but he didn't last very long. Does that mean I'm Mick? If you want. <laughs> I'm not sure I do. Anyway, sorry. Um, and I thought that I would be very rock and roll about all these pills. I thought I'd practically be sort of crushing them up and snorting them and really go to town with them. And honestly, after 12 <laughs> hours, I had to stop. They make you feel... I mean, what state was I in on Monday? Well, you were sort of like hungover and foggy, but not in a, not in a fun way, in a sort of queasy reverse Wizard of Oz type way. Yeah, not fun. So anyway, so I'm sucking up the pain. I've reverted back to double dropping paracetamol and Nurofen because <laughs> I can't do those hardcore meds. It's so interesting, though, because you'd think, wow, brilliant opportunity to kind of, you know, float on the sort of Xanax cloud or whatever. No. Yeah, I'm making lots of rehab jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah hilarious. Exactly like, um, oh, this is going to be me soon. No, in fact, it wasn't you at all. No, so I'm just mainlining burgers. There you go. How are you? Well, uh, hi, I'm Emily. I'm absolutely fine. But actually, I have no idea how I am. When we were talking about the podcast earlier, Annabelle and I were like, so I'm absolutely fine. But and I couldn't think of anything because there is someone in my life who is literally sucking all of the oxygen out of our day to day. And it means that there is no room for feelings. There is no room for energy. There's no room for anything. It's like a sort of void anyway it's extremely stressful yeah so I probably am absolutely fine but I'm extremely stressed but still and I'm sure lots of people will understand what it's like when the balance the family balance is off it's extremely hard work well it's inescapable yeah you can't ever you really pretend that it's not happening no exactly anyway our next guest regularly messages us asking how's morale which she decided was a 
less intrusive way of asking people how they are. Such thoughtfulness is typical of writer Daisy Buchanan, who is no stranger to this podcast, because now and again, we ask her to come on and tell us what we need to be reading. She hosts the literary You're Booked podcast and has just written another great novel, Limelight, which is about women and bodies and bodies and women and shame and sex and bodies and how we take up space in the world. We are thrilled, as always, to have her here. So Daisy, how's morale? Hello, um, morale is good, Emily and Annabelle. I'm really happy to be here and I'm absolutely fine. Only I have done something that I thought was terrifically organised and terrifically adult and it really has bitten me in the bottom. I thought I would get ahead of the game and take some coats and take some wintry things to the dry cleaners so they'd be all clean and put away and ready to go when I need them again. God, that's grown up. Well, I am now having... A second extreme cost of living crisis of my own. The price of dry cleaning. Holy Christmas, Batman. Um, and it's not even as though I've got exciting new clothes to wear. I wish I'd done the irresponsible thing and blown my dry cleaning budget on a lovely summer dress. So mm. no good deed goes unpunished. How much does it cost to dry clean a coat? I ask because I'm too tight to dry clean my coats, basically. It used to be 12 quid, but I bet it's more it's 100% now. 100% not 12 quid. Yeah. I mean, that's in the Middle Ages. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the Middle Ages, but the Middle Ages is virtually the same thing. It was five So the sun comes out and uh, it heats up at some point and bodies come out. And I think maybe the longer days and the warmer weather can highlight some of the weirdness that we have around our bodies. I know we're all supposed to be re-educated and be 100% fine with the cards that we've been dealt, but I'm not sure, Daisy, that that's where we are yet. Are you? I am not at all. And I wanted to write this novel, Limelight. Um, My amazing editor, Darcy, described my writing as the work of someone who dances in the grey areas. And that's what this is, that we live in this world where on the one hand we're told to be really positive I see adverts for shampoo where it's like look at these women all different shapes and ages and sizes and they are all gorgeous and smooth and it's a different kind of perfection but then we've got this messy wobbly gritty weirdness and I feel like I'm failing as a hot person I'm failing as a feminist it's just there are just more and more frontiers to to fall down upon and so I wanted to write about this woman Frankie who wants to look good she's a big tall girl and in real life she is overlooked and dismissed she feels very self-conscious and she's grown up in the shadow of a very very beautiful big sister Bean. Bean is petite Frankie thinks Bean is perfect although it becomes clear that Bean never really thinks about herself in those terms but Frankie is able to go online and pose and filter herself and manipulate herself in such a way to a very small community of admirers. There's sort of less than 50 guys. Uh, She's an anonymous hot girl on the internet and these men know nothing of Frankie and Frankie likes it that way, that she's got, she can compartmentalise. And of course it all goes horribly wrong where Bean gets ill, they're meddling mother Alison interferes in a hilarious and disastrous way and from Frankie having this tiny space where she can feel confident and just outsource her need for a bit of positive attention and validation that gets blown up she's shamed it's confusing that Frankie is using her body and presenting herself in the way that I think lots of 
women have been told to. And that's the message we all get, I think, isn't it? It's like, be sexy. Mm. How dare you be sexy? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, it's funny, you know, talking about just photos. I'm just thinking about when I look at a picture of myself and I'm really weird about pictures of myself. Am I thinking that's a nice picture of me? Or am I thinking that's a picture of the way that I would like to look and that somehow the light and the angles and the filter have conspired to make me to make me acceptable to myself in that one particular image, unlike the other ones that I've deleted? You know, I think maybe we all do that. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm not on OnlyFans, but we all do that to a certain extent. Is that just me looking happy? I don't want me looking happy. I want me looking closer to the way I think I should look. It is such a shock, I think, when we can have that. You know, it's, we can really make an avatar. There's such a blurring between the... Gosh, I always get confused. I think it's Second Life, that video game that's like The Sims, but a bit more, mm. you know, people. I never played it, but I know it had a real community of people really building themselves and kind of falling into into the game. And I suppose life caught up with that, that we can do so much digital rearranging of our faces. And we ha- we've got more access to real life facial arranging than ever And, you know, I think of that all the time. I have not had any Botox yet. I'm pretty sure it's in the post, but I go back and forth and I'm like, do I need to wait? Is that my 40th birthday treat? Um, Are there (laughs) other things I can do? And should should I do it now? Should I, you know, do that? Because I've heard the awful phrase like preemptive Botox. Then who am I doing it for? Why do I want to look the way I want to look? Is that real? Is anything real? Is it because... I look at myself the way we have all been trained to look at women. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now, you guys know that we're not shy about getting things off our chest. The tiny inconveniences that can ruin our days to the big, overwhelming worries that can flood our nights. Trouble is, we all got into the habit of saying, I'm absolutely fine. Emily and I added the but specifically to get off autopilot and give ourselves the space to say what we were really experiencing. But we weren't always so free with our inner furies. A few years ago, I began experiencing debilitating panic attacks because I felt I couldn't tell anyone all the things that I was feeling, that I was not coping, that I felt like a failure. I was so ashamed, so I kept it all bottled inside. And of course, it started leaking out. It was only when I found a therapist and began sharing those doubts and insecurities with her that the panic began to dissipate. Because therapy can be a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash midult. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash midult. Better help, because sometimes the best thing to do is acknowledge that we are not, in fact, absolutely fine. Which is sexist and quite misogynistic and reductive and horrible. You know, I was a teenager around about sort of 2000, 2001-ish, and things I remember are Britney, Girls of the Playboy Mansion, just this time where the beauty spectrum to me was never narrower it's like be really 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 skinny with boobs white blonde you know that's it there was no the most body diversity I saw as an anxious teen who was really really struggling with eating disorders and her own body image Kate Winslet Kate Winslet was 
a diverse body that I could, you know, comfort myself with thinking, oh, well, she's a size 14. Maybe I don't need to go and hide in a hole. She was probably not even a size 14. No. And people were vile, vile to her. Vile about her. She's really interesting about it now. She was a young girl. Horrific. Yeah. And I think that's the 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 sort of the really interesting kind of nugget. In, well, there's so many good nuggets in your book, obviously, because reading you is always such a pleasure. But is that who are we doing it for? We are so disconnected. And I think that obviously social media and, and this this sort of added lens, this added screen makes such a difference. But when we take a picture of ourselves, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to show something that is a moment or are we trying to say, look how successful my life is or are we trying to say you know or do we actually genuinely post and I think it's probably true and I'm sure I do it is that you post pictures that you go look how thin I look in this you only like this because you look thin in it or whatever do you know what I mean and you're like okay but who are we doing it for who but also we have to forgive ourselves for not being fine also you know because there's this idea that now okay we've reclaimed the narrative body positivity or body neutrality fuck the patriarchy we are fine most of us are not fucking fine but then that's just another stick to beat ourselves with we have to forgive ourselves for feeling complicated about it i've lost quite a lot of weight recently and i feel very strange about it because Mm. every time someone says you know you look great i sort of think well how dare you congratulate me for making myself smaller in the world And, and and was i that meaningless before and I feel quite nice about zipping up this particular dress. And then, but, but why does that, that should not make me happy. So even when you get yourself to the point where you're supposedly feeling fine, you're, feel, you're, not, you're still not feeling fine. But that's all right, I think. It has to be all right. I think that's such a good point that it's so complicated when our bodies change and we can maybe feel okay or good for half an hour or 10 minutes and then something else comes along. And I think certainly the... The older I get, the more I am aware of everything about, I suppose, being in my body and not thinking, oh, I've got to kind of starve it and spray tan it and put it in this dress. And, you know, noticing from some things about, you know, like periods, knowing, you know, I've got sort of perimenopause isn't so far away. All this stuff about women's health that's been completely ignored. And there are obviously some really, really brilliant people talking about this on social media in so many ways that we can educate ourselves and learn but I think oh this is this is so underserved in terms of you know global health because you know people have just wanted us to kind of you know preoccupy ourselves with being thin and hot and quiet and maybe you know this is the next stage of of the reckoning is realizing you know what it's like to because I think you know weight loss is Annabelle a similar thing happened to me where you know my body changed quite dramatically and things I noticed that were good, like there's a particular, well, where I live, um, there's a, and a brilliant little theatre called the Tom Thumb Theatre in Margate, which is fabulous. And it's got my favourite bar in the whole of Margate as well. And I remember that before I lost weight, it felt like such a long way to walk to the Tom Thumb. It was the other end of town. I really felt puffed out by that walk. And then I was like, oh, that walk is fine now. And that felt really nice. But oh, well, that's, that's made life a bit easier. It doesn't come up all the time, but it comes up often, often enough. But that could have been a byproduct of the fitness that delivered the thinness mm. rather than the thinness, right? Because you were working out. 
absolutely, it's impossible to know. And oh my God, clothes are so complicated because I've always had, I mean, who among us hasn't? I've been reading a lot lately about shopping addiction. And I think we all laugh when we say, oh, you know, shopping addiction, that's not a real thing. But um, buying lots of clothes for the body I thought I had or the body I'd like to have, you know, buying things now. And because there are other things about the way my body was that I really, really miss. And, Mm. you know, trying on old things and expecting to, you know, feel really like, oh, I feel so thin and great. But it's like, no, I just look sort of deflated. Exactly Um, what I'm finding. And they just look weird. The clothes mm. look weird. My body looks weird. I don't have the money or the inclination to do the big shop up that I sort of need to do Mm. to look like a fully functioning member of society. So I bought one belt and everything is just, I just belt it. That's my solution now. Uh, One belt that we'll have to do. But, you know, that's the thing is you think that everything will be easier, but this world is not designed for us to have an easy relationship with our body, whatever shape or size it is. So what's the answer? We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. But your book is very good on shame. Which I think is something that we can all relate to. Um, and I think that's it, that I will always, always be drawn to write about women who don't quite know what they want and they're ashamed to even begin to start to wonder and start to look. My first novel, Insatiable, was very, very sexually explicit and it's about desire and it's about being so sort of lost and confused and relying on other people to kind of take the lead and tell you what you want. And you think, oh, great, this looks good. Um, that was my sex I'm- life for most of my 20s, just relying on other people to tell me what I was supposed to want. Wouldn't you agree? Totally yeah. true. And actually, I don't want to give a away anything from limelight but it's also there are some quite sexually explicit scenes in it but the relationship with sex is completely different she actually doesn't have sex with anyone but herself basically essentially but if you so it's a reclaiming exactly but the provocation the turn on is in slightly difficult situations and that's something that I think is really complicated that I've never had a conversation with anyone about out loud so this is going to be interesting about how we in sex, you know, we want to lose ourselves and be with the person or people or with ourselves. And how much of that, you know, I think for me, because I was, I grew up with lots of, you know, very Catholic, Catholic shame, shame about sex and shame about my body, because I was bullied quite violently. Um, I was called fat. And I had a lot of shame about the way I looked. And I just, just wanted so badly to be desirable and I had this idea that there was a kind of an objective way to be desirable and that wasn't me and that could never be me and I wasn't it and it took me a long 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 time to think well no it's always in the eye of the beholder and I know that sounds like a bit of a cop-out but I think there's so much that we all probably still struggle at times with our sexual confidence you know and I've had that even you know with my my husband who's never ever sort of said this to me or done anything to make me feel this way that there's sometimes on a bad day in the back of my mind like well I don't understand how you could want this why don't you wish that you could have a sort of you know I don't know Britney circa 2004 whatever like don't you want someone thinner and blonder and firmer than and especially again with you know being aware of like things that I took for granted about my body in terms of like oh you know my skin was sort of smoother and fuller and firmer. And, oh, well, you know, as soon as I sort of, I feel like I've made peace with one bit of me, then it sort of starts 
getting older or falling off. But Frankie in the book is, I suppose, this is where my biology falls down. Is it, um, am I thinking of mitosis or meiosis, the sort of the cells that reproduce themselves, that she's, she wants to be almost sexually self-sufficient. And there's one moment, a weird sort of disembodied encounter, where she's really having sex with herself in kind of the creepiest way that she's just performing for herself. And she needs there to be an element of voyeurism that comes from outside, but that's not from her. And just, I think it's a way that we lose ourselves as well. Like when we're being sexual, I think we want to forget all of the increasingly exhausting and stressful demands of our lives and that we are, you know, full women. That's another thing that you get from the shampoo adverts about loving yourself and self-acceptance, like find someone to accept the full woman that you are in every messy, flawed part of life. No, I don't want that. (laughs) I want to be able to just be Barbie for five minutes and Mm. have an orgasm and then compartmentalise that and run away from it, which is, I think, many therapists would say, not healthy. (laughs) (laughs) But again, it's the same thing, isn't it? We're so educated to believe that we have to be chosen, we have to be wanted, we have to be not, you know, not I choose this, I Mm. want this. And that's the, that's the, it's the distortion for all of us. Well, sexy rather than sexual. Yeah, exactly. So it takes a long time, I think, for women to work out what they are allowed to want and what they really do want. Yeah. And I hope what comes across is that part of what Frankie goes through in terms of understanding where she's at, that, you know, there are absolutely people who can be in the world that she's in, in terms of sort of sharing herself in that way, who are, and if you're really, really genuinely very comfortable with yourself, if you've got enough self-esteem in the bank that you are not needing that response to shore it up, then you know, it's great to celebrate your body and, you know, put that out there. And if you get nothing but positive things from it and equally, she, I really hate when people say her journey, but her journey is that (laughs) she does end up finding a way or hoping to find a way to help a lot of women to celebrate her bodies. And the tagline for Limelight is, are you paying attention? Frankie, a lot of her shame comes from the fact that she wants attention and she hates herself for wanting attention and she never feels like she has enough of it and she doesn't know whether to sort of to be out or to hide. It is extremely worth reading so everybody go out and get it. Now what else? Yes once you've finished reading Limelight what else should we be reading this summer? Oh there are some great books this summer. There's one that just came out and a full disclosure she is my good pal but Lucy Vine's brilliant new book Seven X's. It's great great fun. The premise is that Esther reads an article in a magazine and it's to do with like the seven types of person that we all date and Esther does some maths and realizes like oh well you know the love of my life has slipped through my fingers and it's someone I've been with in the past. Who is it? And she goes on a quest to find them and it's a classic premise but Lucy is so good at writing rom-coms with real depth and it's a really compulsive, propulsive read and she's very, 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 very funny. But then you do come away. I mean, I, I think it's what you, it, because we, lots of those emotional relationships are, you know, I think, again, we find it, we have some shame, but we don't forgive ourselves. And she, through Esther, sort of guides us through that experience of making peace with our past mm. and, and who we are. And it's, just, you know, there are lots of really good gags, but it's also, I suppose, ultimately about, you know, anything that shakes that idea of of the one that, you know, you've got to 
to be with yourself and get on with yourself and you know any positive romantic experiences are a bonus but there is especially one story about a really toxic relationship that Esther has never really got over Mm. and she's able to re-examine it and come through that I think it's she's just she writes really good beautiful funny sentences and it's it's got if you love Emily Henry you'll love it but it's also got that touch of kind of grit and a very sort of I think it's something that feels quite British that sort of the rhythm of it and her gags that's what I loved so much but then the other books that I really loved are great I think if you want to go away from the UK and try something else altogether this is a debut and I think it's out in July but I definitely recommend pre-ordering it it's a writer called Hima Sukuma it's her first book Minor Disturbances at Grand Life Apartments and it's got a bit of it's got the best name of any book this year it's a brilliant name I already want I would have they had me at Minor Disturbances I know when someone says to me how are you I'm gonna say well you know Minor Disturbances (laughs) so good I love it brilliant it's like when someone it's, says, what's wrong? And you just answer, the minor. circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> now we can say minor disturbances. Yes, minor Perfect. disturbances. Thank you. So, so. Minor disturbances at Grand Life Apartments. It is all about people who are living in this um, beautiful old apartment block. They're in uh, Chennai in India. Kamala is the main character, I think. He's the dentist who's on the brink of retiring. She's got a very complicated relationship with her daughter who's away studying in Oxford. And her daughter's got something to tell her and she's very, very nervous about it. There's also um, Rivati, who is um, in her early 30s. She is sort of struggling with kind of her ambition and her family's expectations of her. And in a way that she's sort of, I suppose, the almost a mirroring of what's going on with, with Kamala. And that's the sort of it. So it's a way for them to kind of explore their tricky mother-daughter relationship without being mother or daughter. And Jason, who's a British chef, who's had his heart broken and wants to get far away from his ex and his relationship. And then there is something very dodgy going on in terms of the future of where they all live. And they've got to come together and save it. But it's just, it's so warm. It's so evocative. It's one of those books that really does take you away. And it's very, the humour of it is very gentle, but it's gorgeous. It's really, really beautifully observed. And you know a book's good when you keep thinking of the characters and thinking of things you'd like to tell them and you're worried yes. about how they're doing. You have to remind yourself that it is fiction. Another book set far away it's really pacey and really fun and it's a writer who I think is hugely successful and she's a I think Reese Witherspoon's a big fan but this is the first one of hers I've read this is Now You See Us by Ballycower Jaswell and it's got a bit of a crazy rich Asians vibe and it's set in Singapore and it's about these three women who are all I suppose housekeepers or domestic servants and they all band together and one of them is really confused because her new employer treats her like weirdly well and she doesn't she's been you know worked in these jobs for a long time and doesn't understand what's going on it's another one who's got her first job working for a woman who's the opposite is just completely awful and really exploitative and mean and again it's about these women coming together there's a creepy sort of subplot, I suppose, where the awful employer is very, very kind of a right-wing Christian who is trying to 
take down the national sort of the Singapore equivalent of Planned Parenthood but it's really funny really pasty I get a story about different women and how they're sort of their intergenerational friendship you know it gives them different perspectives on what they're all going through but yeah it's a, I think that if you're furious about what's going on in the world and mm. the way things are this will sort of ignite that fury and it's really satisfying and really fun and it gives you the payoff you want but also it feels really smart and thoughtful it Mm. feels like a book that's kind of it's about the world now but it's written in a way that won't leave you weeping and thinking that you just want to hide away and never read again because you don't want something that ignites the outrage it's quite fun to have your outrage ignited but then just leaves you stranded on an island of outrage where you're just flailing around furious and sort of you know breathless and frustrated but this it's very human it makes you feel as though there are solutions because the characters are smart enough to figure them out but it's also because they're women because they're women (laughs) it's a smart book but it is a fun book and on that theme another disclosure this is a friend of mine but i want to recommend pre-loved by lauren bravo which is brilliantly 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 funny it's about um the fabulously named gwen grundle who is (laughs) in her late 30s and at that drifting point that i think lots of people will recognize where she sort of looks up she is redundant and single and she sees her friends who've all I suppose made minor sacrifices and their lives look much sturdier from the outside and Gwen doesn't really understand why they've made those choices and why they want that but she's also aware that she is drifting so she goes to work in a charity shop she starts volunteering because she feels guilty and weird and she's desperate to do something useful and it is very, very funny. It's also about, I suppose, our, you know, different kinds of guilt, which feels very now. I think we all feel guilty and weird and we're all trying to be useful. And it's about how the sort of the attempts to resolve that work and don't work and the flaws of that as a plan to try and, you know, absolve ourselves of sort of what we think we've done and how it works and also about how, it's, I think, one of the best books I've read about grief. It feels very real. Sometimes when there's a sort of that's at its heart, it's quite volubly sad. And this is about numbness and estrangement. Like, I love the fact that Gwen's got a really... Her relationship with her parents is sort of stuck. And there's a detail at the beginning where sort of they're in a sort of standoff where I think she's not spoken to them for seven weeks and she caves and calls them. And she says she's been waiting for them to do it. And she said that, you know, after the last time, I, I want to be the one they think of and the one they call. And how she just feels like she's been sort of sidelined by everyone in her life. But she's not mm. self-pitying. She's very pragmatic. But, but also the story is made up of all the people who work in the shop and people who come into the shop. There's a great gag about how the sort of slightly sanctimonious, self-righteous um, manager of the charity shop, who's got lots of stores, whether you want them or not... Um, <laughs> People of Christmas St. Michael, based on the stock that comes in. So that's one that I really, really loved. And I love that. Lots of stories, whether you want them or not, <laughs> you're going to get them. Yes, I love that. And pre-loved, because we all feel a bit pre-loved sometimes, don't we? Yeah, and I think this is it's also interesting in terms of that what you were saying about the guilt that we're all carrying around. Like, are we doing it right? You know, 
Are, are we, we doing be, enough? Are we exactly? Are we the right kind of woman? <laughs> like, yeah. are we? Do we care enough about the way that we look, or too much about the way we look? Do we care too much about our place in the world, or not enough Should about we be our place? doing more for the world, which is obviously in a parlor state? Exactly, but but we're so tired, we can barely walk up the stairs. So or whatever. how can we make a difference? All of that stuff. There's always sort of carrying around this sort of, and it, but at the same time, it all feels incredibly self indulgent yeah. because it's like, well, you know. Clearly, you've got too much time on your hands. Exactly. If you if you've got time to worry about this fucking shit, then you're you know you're, not you're, you're a lazy bitch. Yeah, basically, exactly. just like and uh, yeah, and I think we're all kind of torn about a million ways. No wonder we look and feel pre loved. <laughs> yes, we're all just exhausted and doing our best. I mean, the knots that we get into, and I think that's something that I'm really interested in as a you know because we're in terms of my relationship with my body and when that changed one way that I sort of figured that out was and the shopping thing buying lots of secondhand clothes that felt like a really low stakes way to figure out how I was going to start presenting myself to the world it was a way to experiment I guess and it cut and I was a sustainable ethical way to experiment (laughs) Uh, but I was probably still I was still buying clothes I didn't need but it just it just slowed things down. It just sort of took the edge off. Yeah. But yeah, but I think that's a great way, you know, for anyone who is thinking about how they want to be in their body and how we can kind of, you know, because I think we've all got a love-hate relationship with clothes, haven't we? Because they're fun. We think they're going to be joyous. We think we're going to... We, I think we all think we're going to find that one thing and be like, oh my God, this is it. This Emily is who I am. Emily certainly believes that. Emily believes that the right pair of shoes will change her life, which is, as a result, she buys very strange shoes. But, I mean, you really do have faith in clothes to transform you, don't you? I really do. And we talked about this the other day, and I really think I really think today this is going to be the perfect thing to put out into the world, and therefore everything will fall into place. Yeah, this is who it, I'll be. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> does not happen, and Annabelle is generally cross about my shoes. So, you know, it's... Uh, but... but you do enjoy clothes in quite a straightforward way. I think it might be because you have quite a straightforward relationship with your body, actually. Maybe, so you can yeah. put on a dress and it is just a dress. Yeah. Whereas for me, it is not just a dress. No, and I don't, yeah, I think that that that, uh, that is, uh, you know, I'm quite lucky that way. Yeah. I think that it's yeah. not, it doesn't become about something else. Yeah. You know, or how I feel about those things. It's just like, yeah. but. Can, can you imagine, Daisy? <laughs> it's like reverse Marguerite. <laughs> this is just an outfit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's an amazing, I think it's a line in How to Be a Woman, but I've mentioned the Cat and the Moran um, before in this podcast, but when a woman says, I have nothing to wear, what she means is, there is nothing here in my wardrobe for the woman that I'm supposed to be today. Yeah. And I think like, well, I don't even know what woman I'm supposed to be today, really. Um, yes, it's deeply confusing. I find myself, when I look online, the clothes I'm drawn to buying for myself are divorcing a billionaire um, because I'm implicated in a sex scandal. <laughs> That's not come up once. <laughs> yet. Not yet. Yes. We live in hope. <laughs> I know, it's true. When, when, I, when I browse online for clothes, which I do shamefully often, I'm never not on everything from sort of, you know, Zara to matches and back again. You know, one day I'm, I'm shopping for, I'm not just doing sort of well-rounded sort of, oh, you know, what might be nice out there. One day I'm shopping for my life on a super yacht. 
as you say. The next day I'm shopping for my life as a sort of land girl. The next day I'm, you know, I'm a gallerist. And it's very, very weird. I think the mindset that one's just, you know, you almost put on VR goggles before you start to look at what's out there. It's not a neutral experience shopping, is it? And then your podcast on dresses, which was brilliant. I loved it. And I oh, had Isabel that, Spearman, I still, so clever. I love Isabel Spearman. She's fantastic. I still got a real bee in my bonnet about the perfect denim dress. And I saw the aligned one on vintage. Oh, and that was it. And then I had a crisis because I was looking at um, Sarah Pascoe posted on Instagram about wearing I think she's wearing a Batsheva blouse and she was saying that she feels conflicted because and this I thought was so interesting people ask her when she's on TV like where do where did she get her lovely clothes she wants to buy clothes where she knows who's making them and she knows they've been produced well and fairly the flip side of that is those clothes are expensive and they're mm. much more expensive than going to Zara and she's aware that lots of the people asking it's not really on to say oh just go here it's 300 quid or whatever mm. and then you end up in a hot and also by the time anything's ever like transmitted you're like well you know I got this six months ago a year ago they don't have it anymore and you just yeah, sort of yeah. end up in this circle of doom with it and you feel guilty for looking nice in something and wanting to say here's a picture of me looking nice which brings us back to what we do when we have a picture of ourselves and what we're trying to share with that information what we're trying to achieve with yeah. it absolutely well um Daisy as always, it's been a ride. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> and we can't recommend Limelight enough, really. Yeah, um, exactly. And or you yes, and your exactly. podcast and everything about you. And we love you. Thank you so much for coming to see us again. And we will see you very soon. And that is not a threat, it's a promise. Oh, I my... hope so. Thank you very much. And if it's all right to say this, Limelight, uh, be buy your books wherever. I'm just thrilled and delighted and honoured and stunned that anyone wants to uh, buy me or read me but if you buy it from an independent bookshop there are some signed copies if they've not got signed copies I will do you a signed and dedicated book plate if you ask at your local and get them to order it in that'd be wonderful and there are also limelight badges you can get some groovy little badges there's one that says attention seeker that I'm very fond of and I think another one that will say naked on the internet um I want that one in fact I want a t-shirt that says naked on the internet i'm emphatically not naked on the internet but never say never i want a t-shirt saying I i'm older than it. google yeah <laughs> um that well, can be arranged independent bookshops by hook or by crook get your hands on the book oh oh nice and on that note don't think i can do better than that i think it's time to go okay bye thanks so much everybody bye thank you bye You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. Hi, my name is Kay Adams and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.